Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. God is still on the throne, and prayer changes things. Today, Michael Hoggard concludes his look at Jesus, DNA, and the Holy Bible, and then Pastor Larry will answer the question about Christians that have fallen away. We're excited to announce that you can now hear Watchmen on the Wall on two new websites, oneplace.com and sermonaudio.com. More ways to access the Christ-centered clarity that's needed now more than ever. Whether you're listening on the radio or online, if you're new to Watchmen on the Wall, be sure to request your free new listener pack. The pack includes a welcome letter, history of the ministry, the latest issue of our Prophetic Observer newsletter, and a free gift. Get your free new listener pack by calling 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Time for more secrets to be revealed. Here's Greg Patton and Michael Hogger. Last night I was reading a little bit of Why Revival Terries by a man by the name of Leonard Ravenhill. Brethren, if we will do God's work in God's way, at God's time, with God's power, we shall have God's blessing and the devil's curses. When God opens the windows of heaven to bless us, the devil will open the door of hell to blast us. God's smile means the devil's frown. Mere preachers may help anyone. Hurt nobody, but prophets will stir everybody, and they will madden somebody. The preacher may go with the crowd. The prophet goes against the crowd. A man freed and fired and filled with God will be branded unpatriotic and a troublemaker because he speaks against sin. Unkind because his tongue is a two-edged sword. Unbalanced because the weight of the preaching opinion is against him. The preacher will be heralded. The prophet will be hounded. I think that has a good description of my guest again today. We're talking to Michael Hoggard, pastor of Bethel Church down in Festus, Missouri. My brother, welcome for day two today. I hope today is better than yesterday, is what I hope. (laughs) We can't beat that. Jesus Christ, DNA, and the Holy Bible. Michael Hoggard, over 15 hours of Bible preaching, the scripture and science coming together as we see the amazing connection. He shared so much yesterday between the Holy Bible and the code book of our bodies, DNA. We'll pick up where we left off yesterday, brother, and that is Dr. Thurston. He headed you down this path. What else have you studied to put together this material? We got together again years later in Ohio, and I was, you know, sharing back with him some of the things that the Lord had shown me about, you know, what he initiated in me was that the, the cell was the wilderness tabernacle and so on. And he was, he was amazed by it. He said, you know, I'm a doctor and I know the medical side of it. But he said, you know, you've studied numbers. I, I read, you know, Dr. Hutchings' books, God the Master Mathematician. And I read some other books on Bible numbers, and then I just studied the numbers in the Bible, and I just noticed some things. And the reason why I call this whole series Jesus Christ DNA and the Holy Bible is that we've, I found out that DNA is a perfect replica or a perfect representation of both Jesus Christ 
and the Holy Bible. And let me, let me say it in some simple terms. We all sort of have seen like on the news or we've seen maybe on the internet or just different pictures we've seen from uh, school or whatnot, the, the double helix of DNA. In other words, it's a, it's a coiled up, if you were going to use Bible terms, and since David said that, it, you know, in thy book all my members were written, he was describing DNA 3,000 years ago. So basically, the way DNA is coiled, it's actually rolled up like a scroll or a book, which is, we know, that's how they had books back in the Old and New Testament days. They were rolled up like a scroll. When they handed Jesus, in Luke chapter 3, a copy of the book of Isaiah, and I think that's significant, because Isaiah has 66 chapters, the Bible has 66 books, and here's Jesus taking the book in his hand, and I see that as a, as a sort of a typology, a foreshadowing of Jesus the Lamb taking the book out of the right hand of God in Revelation chapter 5. And he's taking it because it's the book of Isaiah, and Isaiah has 66 chapters, and the Bible has 66 books. So then he takes the book, and he opens it. And what we know is, because it was a scroll, and in Jewish synagogues, they still have it as a rolled-up scroll. Jesus then unrolled that book, and he began to read from it. Now, interesting enough is that is exactly the way that DNA works in our body. Let's say uh, I, I have diabetes, so I studied a little bit about insulin. And so let's say my body needs more insulin. Now, there isn't a soft drink. There is, isn't a fruit. There isn't a vegetable or a beefsteak anywhere that contains insulin to put in my body. My body has to make insulin, and it makes it out of the proteins some of which are contained in my body, but some of them I have to eat and make part of my diet in my body. And so when my body gets ready to make insulin, it finds in the DNA book the chapter and verse that describes how the body or how the DNA is going to make the proteins to make insulin. And when it finds the place... Just like Jesus when in, in Luke chapter 3, when he found the place that he was going to read from, I think it was Isaiah 63, you know, the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor and to set, you know, the captives free and so on. He was looking for that specific place. And so there is a mechanism in my body called RNA polymerase. And RNA polymerase, all it does is go back and forth, up and down the, the rolled-up scroll of DNA, looking for where everything is. And if my body needs insulin, then the RNA polymerase machine will go right to the spot, to the chapter and verse in my DNA that has the instructions on how to make insulin. And the first thing that it'll do is that it will unroll that portion of the DNA, because it's rolled up like a scroll. The second thing it will do is that it will only read the part of my DNA strand that has the instructions on how to make insulin. I attribute it like this, brother. When we go witness to somebody, 
and we talk to them about the Lord, we don't read the whole Bible to them. We give them the relevant portions of Scripture that God has given us over the years, Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, Romans 10.9 and 10, Ephesians 2.8 and 9, 1 John 1.9, John 3.16. We give them these small portions of the overall Bible in hopes of making a new convert. And so it's the same way when my body's going to make insulin. It finds the exact spot. It unrolls or opens up that book, a process called RNA transcription means that it takes a copy and makes a copy of the DNA, the original DNA that makes insulin and it separates it out. It's like how we take Bible verses and put them into gospel tracts and give them to people. We want them to see certain parts of the Bible so that they can hopefully be led by the Holy Spirit through the Word to become Christians. So that's called DNA transcription. And over the years, you and I both know that the original manuscripts that the Bible was written on don't exist, but they were transcribed. We had scribes all in the Old Testament. We had the scribes in the New Testament days, church members, who were faithfully copying the words that were in the book. That's DNA transcription. DNA transcription then is read like a preacher reads it from a pulpit or an evangelist reads it from if he's going to be preaching in the street or it's in a gospel tract somewhere or whatever. And that piece of RNA, it's called messenger RNA. And the word messenger is where we get the word angel from. Angelos is messenger. Christ was the messenger of the covenant. So we have messenger RNA that is a copy of the original DNA that's going to make insulin for me. And this machine called RNA polymerase will read the DNA or RNA and it will take the proteins that it needs, and it will put them together in a certain way. It will fold them together in a certain way. And when it's made the insulin that I need for my body, then that portion of the RNA goes back into the DNA scroll, and the scroll then is closed back up. And if you read Luke chapter I think it's Luke chapter 3 or Luke chapter 4. Jesus does that exact thing. He's given the book. He opens it up. He reads the place that he wants to read. He sits down and says, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And then he closes the book and gives it back to the rabbi. And that is exactly how DNA makes the members of our body. I think that is absolutely amazing that God drew that out for us in the pages of the scriptures. Now, when we look at DNA, we see that it has, it looks like a ladder when it's unrolled. There's a story in the Bible about a ladder that goes up to heaven and the angels of God ascending and descending on that ladder. And Jesus said in the Gospel of John concerning Philip that Philip would see the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And so when Jacob saw that ladder, he was seeing Jesus Christ, the Son of Man. Because DNA, looking like a ladder, is made of two things. It's made of 
sugar because the Bible says thy words were sweet to eat. They were like honey to my mouth. We know the manna tasted like honey, and it was the bread of God or the word of God. So it's made of sugar, and it's made of phosphorus, and phosphorus is light. And phosphorus represents those angels of light ascending and descending on the ladder that Jacob saw in his dream. So now if we take that ladder and we look at the ladder leg on the left side, we'll call that the Old Testament. We look at the ladder leg on the right side, we'll call that the New Testament. And both ladder rungs stand together, just like the Old and the New Testament, and they're joined together. The steps of that ladder are made of four what we call codons, or what, four base pairs. Adenine, guanine, cytosine, thymine. You don't have to remember that for a test. But think of it like this. The Old Testament and the New Testament and their meanings and their understandings are brought together by four books that bind both of them together. They're called Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And where the sequencing of our genes takes place is not in the legs of the ladder. It's in the rungs of the ladder where they are joined together. That's where the words of your genes are written out. And in John chapter 1, the fourth gospel, John said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So just like in DNA, we have four bases that join together that make the words of DNA, and in our Bibles, we are introduced to the Word of God himself. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and that Word in those four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is Jesus Christ. And if I could just give you just one more absolutely stunning example of how close our DNA is to the Bible. Our DNA is stored in all the cells in our body, in the nucleus of our body, in what we call chromosomes. They say there's 23 pairs of chromosomes, which basically makes 46. And those 46 chromosomes, they look like the letter X, or they look like a cross. Now, we're dealing with a subject right now that is sweeping through our country, and that is transgenderism. You have all these people who think that they can just change their gender at their own will. But there's a problem. When you're a female, the last two chromosomes, which look like like a cross or a letter X, the last two chromosomes in your sequence are both X's, X chromosomes. In the male, the last two chromosomes in the sequence, one of them is an X and the other one is a Y. And there's no getting around that. So I dealt with this young man who he made the news all over the country. He was in our hometown of Hillsboro, Missouri. He went to school. 
he was going into the girls' bathroom. He was going into the girls' locker room. He was wearing a wig. He would wear a skirt. He would put on makeup on, sometimes wear a wig until his hair grew out. And he was demanding that he was a girl. The problem is he had a Y chromosome. And there's nothing that can change that. It was God or it was, we could say it was nature and nature's God that determined that this boy was going to be a male in his gender, not a female. And you just can't go against God that way. Absolutely fascinating. It really, Jesus Christ, DNA, the Holy Bible, Pastor Michael Hoggard, over 15 hours of Bible teaching available at swrc.com, or you can call 1-800-652-1144. People so enjoy hearing Pastor Hoggard, whether it's in person. By the way, it's coming up September the 30th at the Embassy Suites, Des Moines, Iowa. You can hear Pastor Michael Hoggard in person. Southwest Radio Church Clarity to the Chaos. September 30th, Des Moines, Iowa, Embassy Suites. Brother, God has blessed you in a mighty way. Maybe you have a closing thought to this Southwest Radio audience about life itself, salvation, whatever God would lay on your heart as we close. Well, I always like to say things like this. Now do we know that our body is the temple of God? One of the things that I teach alongside of this is secret societies. And secret societies, in secret societies, there's one number that to them is very, very sacred number. There are 33 levels in the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry. There are 13 levels in the York Rite of Freemasonry. Add those two together and you get 46. In the Masonic House of the Temple Lodge in Washington, D.C., there is a Greek temple on the underneath part, which has 33 pillars, and then on top of that is a step pyramid leading up to heaven that has exactly 13 steps. And this was built back in the 20s. And I'm not sure that even back then they knew how many chromosomes we had in the human body. But they built the temple. They call it the House of the Lodge Temple or the Mother Lodge Temple. And it has 46 is all in it. It's got, a, it's got a double winding staircase on the inside of it that each staircase on each side has 23 steps exactly. And so if you want to know the secret of Freemasonry, if you want to know the secret of the work of the beast and the Antichrist in the last days, the DNA is the key to it, I believe. Michael Hoggard's complete two-day conversation with Greg Patton is available right now on CD. Simply call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Today we have Michael Hoggard's DVD entitled, Jesus Christ, DNA, and the Holy Bible. It includes over 15 hours of Bible teaching. Order Jesus Christ, DNA, and the Holy Bible when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. In this DVD, you'll learn the mother of all secrets, DNA and the Holy Bible, Triple Helix, Psalm 119 and DNA, even more of the Triple Helix, and much, much more. Order today. Call 1-800-652-1144.
Pastor Larry is here, ready to answer a question that troubles many Christians today. Pastor Larry, what about the Christians who fall away? Falling away in modern times is quite shocking. There are several examples of high-profile Christian leaders who publicly came forth and announced their change of heart and have become enemies of the Christian faith. Charles Templeton, who used to preach crusades and evangelistic meetings with Billy Graham, turned his back on Christianity. His most famous book, Farewell to God, lists several reasons why he changed his mind. For more than 20 years, Charles Templeton was a major figure in the church in Canada and the United States. During the 1950s, he and Billy Graham were the two most successful promoters of mass evangelism. However, Templeton was having more and more doubts about the Old Testament, especially what he considered to be racist teachings and those passages in which God expressed a special love for the Jewish people. I believe that Templeton made a grievous mistake. God loves the Jewish people and made an everlasting covenant with them. He loved them so that through the Jewish people, God could reach the whole world. God's love was not intended to stop with Israel. The Jews were simply a conduit through which God would fulfill his plan to save both Jew and Gentile. I've noticed, however, that when people have made up their minds about leaving the faith, virtually nothing will change their minds. Facts no longer matter. When I was in the Ph.D. program at Southwestern Seminary, I had a friend who was also in the doctoral program. After we received our degree in 1983, we parted company and lost track of each other. After several years, I received a letter from this friend, and he had heard me on the radio and told me that he was no longer a Christian. I was shocked. He sounded like Charles Templeton. He gave me his reasons. I wrote back and told him I did not think his reasons were valid. He wrote back again. This continued for several months. I could quickly see that we were going nowhere fast and stopped writing. I wish Templeton and my friend could have read Lee Strobel's Case for Christ and Case for Faith. Somehow, I feel that Strobel's excellent books would not have made a difference. Their minds were made up. All of their objections have been adequately answered. I always like to come back to John 10, verses 27 and 28. My sheep hear my voice, Jesus said, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. In case anyone doubts what Jesus means, he continues and says, my Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. However, I have to admit that there are several cultural trends and practices that we're facing today that are challenging the Christian faith in a way that was not true earlier. For one thing, science is being used as a weapon against Christianity. The claim has often been made that science has disproven the Bible People are often told that real scientists don't believe the Bible. In other words, if you believe the Bible, you are not a real scientist. You know, we live in an age when the phrase, science proves that, it's a phrase that means something is true beyond a shadow of a doubt because scientists agree. No one would be so foolish, supposedly, as to go against the opinions of scientists. However, the Seattle-based Discovery Institute polled 1,000 scientists worldwide. 
The dissenting scientists all united around one simple statement. We are skeptical of claims for the ability of random mutations and natural selection to account for the complexity of life, close quotes. The project was launched by the Discovery Institute in 2001. It was started in response to the demonstrably false claim by the tax-funded public broadcasting system that, quote, virtually every scientist in the world believes the theory of evolution to be true, close quotes. Obviously, that is not a true statement. Virtually every scientist in the world does not believe the theory of evolution to be true. The second development that is challenging the growth of the gospel in the modern world is the fact that the mainstream media and the educational system are against Christianity. Unfortunately, today, many people do not think carefully and clearly. They are used to being spoon-fed information from the mainstream media. But the mainstream media favors one point of view, the point of view that is against Christianity and clearly shows media bias. And the same thing is true for the American educational system. Textbooks and teachers, by and large, are woke. American history is being rewritten to destroy any vestige of decency and honor in our past. The 1619 Project is a long-form journalism endeavor developed by Nicole Hannah-Jones in conjunction with the New York Times. It focuses on America's founding and seeks to prove how bad America is. It takes a highly revisionist view of traditionally reverenced events and people. Even Washington and Lincoln are portrayed in a highly negative light. The project developed an educational curriculum that is used today in many, many schools. It is one of the main tools used in getting people to hate their own country. The third development that is challenging the growth of the gospel are the sex scandals in churches and ministries. While it is true that there have been sex scandals in churches and ministries, no one mentions the thousands of pastors, ministry leaders, and missionaries who have devoted their lives to spreading the gospel, many of whom live in low-income situations, some even losing their lives for the sake of the gospel. As always, it is not just what is printed that is important. It is what is not printed and what does not receive public exposure that produces a distorted image. It is still true that a half-truth is a whole lie. Fourthly, I must mention the fact that we live in a pluralistic society in which widely divergent religious and moral views are everywhere. At one time in America, most people identified as Christian. People who ran for public office all agreed that marriage was between one man and one woman for life. Today, governors, mayors, and presidents present a bewildering array of divergent views. In fact, some of the views are bizarre and unbelievably perverse, and those are kind words. These are some of the factors that make the growth of the gospel and walking the life of faith especially difficult. However, I don't see that God has canceled the Great Commission, nor do I see that God has called us to build a bunker and hunker. No, we are still to go, we are still to pray, and we are still to believe the precious doctrine of eternal security. Jesus Christ, DNA, and the Holy Bible. Over 15 hours of Bible teaching, and it is ready for you. Call 1-800-652-1144. 
That's 1-800-652-1144. You can also order at our website, swrc.com. The scriptures and science come together as we see the amazing connection between the Holy Bible and the code book of our bodies, DNA. Order Michael Hoggard's Jesus Christ, DNA, and the Holy Bible. Call 1-800-652-1144. Why is there so much suffering today, even for Christians? Ken Hamill answer this question on tomorrow's program. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and has been supported for over 90 years by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.